0: As we've gone through this series together, I've invited you to think about one of these name tags like you see on the screen. Hello, my name is Ruth, is the title of the sermon, and I'm excited to introduce you to Ruth this morning. The book of Ruth starts with a famine. We heard that in our scripture for this morning in chapter 1. It's a famine that is severe enough to turn residents into refugees. I think it's appropriate for us to acknowledge that that's a story that still gets played out today. As we look at the first chapter of Ruth this morning, let's not forget that though this is an ancient story, it's also a contemporary one. Famine drove Israel's family to Egypt Famine drove Elimelech's family to Bethlehem, to Moab. War and famine still drives people from their homes. Even in our own community, we have people who have arrived here in this very neighborhood because of hunger and conflict and violence. Famine can still turn residents into refugees. The irony of the start of the book of Ruth, though, is that famine was in the land of Bethlehem. Have you ever heard what the word Bethlehem means? In Hebrew, Bethlehem means the land of bread. So in the house of bread or the land of bread, there is a famine. It has become an empty place. And so this family, Elimelech, Naomi, and their two boys travel to Moab. This detail is perhaps a nod to their desperation because Moab, with its antagonistic history with Israel, seems to be like the last chance, the last place they would ever go, a a place of desperation, an unlikely destination. And though this family escapes famine, they do not escape hardship. First Limelech dies, then Naomi's two sons, who had taken Moabite wives, they die. Naomi and her two daughters-in-law are now on their own. Not only are they faced with tremendous grief, but these women, as you might imagine, are particularly vulnerable... Because they have lost their husbands, and in that culture, that means that they have lost their security. They have lost their provision. We're going to talk about Ruth's name, but Naomi's name is also important in this story. Naomi's name means sweetness or pleasantness, but she says that her name should be changed to Mara, which means bitterness. Because all of this hardship that she and her family has experienced. As the story continues in Ruth, and Ruth is a short book. I hope you'll go back and read the whole thing. But as the story continues, the women learn that Bethlehem again has bread. The famine has broken. And so they set out to return to Judah. And although Naomi is impressed by her daughter's-in-law's loyalty to her, she's concerned for their well-being. And so, we, as we heard in the scripture, she urges them to turn back and return to the homes of their families in Moab, where she believes that they'll be safer and better pr- provided for. In chapter 1, she offers the young women a blessing. She says this, May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. One of those two women heeds Naomi's instruction and returns reluctantly to Moab. But we're told that Ruth clings to her mother-in-law. That's what the NRSV says. Ruth clings to her mother-in-law. Ruth's devotion is unwavering. Even after Naomi urges Ruth for a second time to return, Ruth refuses. Instead, she says, and I like how the message translation puts it, she says, don't force me to leave, don't make me go home. And then Ruth offers what, in my opinion, is one of the most powerful speeches in all of scripture. And it's even more powerful when you understand her context as a vulnerable foreign daughter-in-law of a different religious tradition even. She offers this oath to Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. It's a powerful oath. This is a powerful story. The singer-songwriter Carol King was inspired by it. She was thinking about the story of Ruth when she wrote the song, where you lead. The lyrics say this, where you lead, I will follow anywhere you tell me to. If you need, you need me to be with you. I will follow where you lead. We still hear oaths time from time as we talked about with our children just a second ago. A police officer may take an oath at the time of his or her swearing in. A president takes an oath at their inauguration. Doctors usually take an oath as well, maybe a a Hippocratic oath in some form. A witness in a courtroom takes an oath to tell the truth. And Ruth's oath here in this passage doesn't sound too dissimilar from those vows or oaths that we sometimes hear. It doesn't sound too dissimilar even from the oath or promise or covenant that a couple makes at their wedding. A couple says sometimes that they promise to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death do us part. But saying an oath like this amid the celebration and beauty of your wedding day is one thing. And it's a little bit of a different thing the way that Ruth makes this oath in the middle of her vulnerable state as a foreigner and recent widow. But she makes this promise. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Ruth's kindness, compassion, and loyalty are displayed throughout this whole book. And in this series on names, Ruth's name is a perfect fit for her story and her loyalty. Ruth's name comes from Hebrew. It means companion or friend. When Lindsay and I lived in Nashville... Our neighbor was a Presbyterian pastor and a professor at Vanderbilt Divinity School. We had just given birth to our twins, and my mom had come to Nashville for a visit. And we introduced our neighbor to my mom. My mom's name is Ruth. She goes by Ruthie. It's where we got our daughter's name. Our neighbor asked my mom what her grandmother name was my mom had come to see our firstborn and to see the twins and so my neighbor was interested what what is your grandmother name and my mom told her that she had decided to go with the name Ami it's what not what she had originally picked but the first grandchild in the family picked it for her you know how those things go But as soon as my mom said that her name was Ami, my neighbor's face lit up. She went wide-eyed. I remember Lindsay and I looking at each other like, what was was said? (laughs) And my neighbor said, hold on a minute. And she raced out of our house. (laughs) We were standing there wondering, what is happening right now? In a couple of minutes, my neighbor returned, and all she was carrying with her was her Hebrew Bible. And she looked at my mom, whose name is Ruth, and she opened it to the book of Ruth. And she turned it to this section that I'm telling you about today. She turned it to Ruth's oath in Hebrew. Ruth's oath to Naomi. Naomi. And in Ruth's oath to Naomi, her promise to her, when she says, Your people shall be my people, in Hebrew, the my people word is Ami. Now, I don't have time to tell you the whole story of the book of Ruth. I really do encourage you this week to go back and to read the full book. It's only four chapters, it's one of the shortest books in all of Scripture. Ruth's oath to Naomi is one of the most powerful moments in the Old Testament. It's an expression of messy, faithful, loyal love. The NRSV uses that word clings. Ruth clings to Naomi. Who in your life Needs a Ruth like commitment from you? Who in your life needs an expression, a reassurance, a commitment of messy, committed, rooted, can we say clingy? Clingy love. There's a really important word in scripture, in Hebrew, and we've talked about this word from time to time. It's a word that actually appears hundreds of times in the Old Testament. The word is hesed, and it can be translated in many different ways. It can be translated as steadfast love. It can be translated as faithfulness. I really love how one commentator translates this Hebrew word, hesed. She says it's this, love in action. Love in action. When Naomi tries to send Ruth away, she prays that the Lord will show hesed to Ruth. Instead, though, it's Ruth who shows God's hesed to Naomi. Naomi. Ruth is an example of love in action. Messy, steadfast, clingy love. Ruth chapter 1 verse 14 says that Ruth clung to Naomi. She stuck by her in steadfast, faithful love. Throughout church history, some have questioned Ruth's inclusion in the biblical canon. Because God isn't really a main character in this story. Instead, though, in the book of Ruth, it's God's people. It's God's people who we can say are the strongest evidence of God's faithfulness. First through Ruth and then later in the book through a man named Boaz. And I really do hope you'll read the rest of the story. Have I said that yet? (laughs) And at the end of this book, God's goodness and faithfulness, God's chesed for Naomi, they are made abundantly clear. Naomi, who was made empty through famine and grief, becomes full again at the end of the book. Her daughter-in-law, her beloved Ruth, gives birth to a son. And I'm sorry to give away the ending, but the book ends with Naomi whose name means sweetness, finding sweetness once again. The book ends with Naomi holding her grandson. She's holding her grandson, and the women of the town are now the ones offering a blessing to her. And Naomi, who first gave a blessing to her daughters-in-law, is now the one on the receiving end of the blessing. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel, he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. even in your messiness, God's love for you is hesed. It's steadfast and it's faithful. That's God's promise for you. This morning, I want to go so far as to say it's God's promise of clingy love. It will stick with you even when life feels empty and bitter because Hesed love doesn't go anywhere. I didn't say that right. It's not that hesed love doesn't go anywhere. It's that that kind of love goes everywhere. Where you go, I will go. That's God's promise to you too. Where you go, I will go. Where you go, God's love goes with you. But you are called to ask this question in return Who in your life needs to know that they are loved in the same way? Who in your life needs to hear the powerful promise that where you go, I will go? Who in your life needs to be reassured of messy, rooted, promised, committed, and clingy love? Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, you love us so much. You promise to stick with us, to be with us, to be in Christ, our Emmanuel, our God with us through all life's seasons. Your love cannot be shaken or taken from us. It's chesed love. It's steadfast love. It's clingy love. And the challenging truth of the scripture is that this is the kind of love that you call us to show the world. God, you call us to get in the middle of the mess, to be relentless in how we care for others with the same compassion you have so graciously shown us. And so we pray for the energy and the selflessness to live and to love like this, like you made clear in the life and ministry of Christ our Savior, the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father,